best entrepreneurs in the world get told no over and over and over again. I didn't know how I was going to make it work, but I was damn determined I was going to make it work. Not realizing how much better television was going to make me at my job. I thought all you needed was the idea and then you were rich. Welcome to the Blue Collar Business School Podcast. Welcome back to the Blue Collar Business School Podcast. My name is, of course, Julian Clayton, and I am really, really excited about this week's episode. Brian Burke and I have been friends for a long time. I honestly don't remember what year we met, but it wasn't even in Connecticut where we live virtually 20 minutes apart. Uh, we actually met in Utah and then realized we lived in each other's back doors and uh, have been friends ever since. But Brian's business is what's so interesting because Brian owns a reprographics firm called Plans for Less and he services clients nationally with a business that a lot of people thought would have been extinct about a decade ago. Yet he continues to innovate, he continues to be successful, and he continues to grow. And I just love the story about how it all got started and we're just going to let Brian take it from here. It's really an awesome day for us. It's our fifth anniversary today. So oh, it's wow. a cool, cool day to be, uh, to be joining you and appreciate it. But uh, if we go back to when this all started, I was uh, just getting out of high school and my neighbor is a, an engineer and he said, what are you doing for, uh, for college? And I said, well, I'm not going to college. I'm not a college kid, right? I, I, I got through high school, graduated. And he said, why don't you come down to the engineering firm? And I'll teach you about engineering. So he, uh, he had me come in for the summer, taught me all about engineering. And he ran a company that designed wastewater treatment plant systems. Super so, interesting. So I know everything <laughs> about flow meters. I know everything about NEMA 4 uh, uh, parts and, and, and all of the flow meters and, and how it all works and how many gallons we could process per hour and everything that we would, uh, all these flow meters, we'd put in these cabinets and they had to be uh, waterproof and, and we would install them and we would have to do maintenance on them. And uh, it was a really interesting job for the summer to learn about how to design wastewater treatment plant systems. But uh, he said, well, you're here to learn about engineering, but at the same time, we want you to run our blueprint machine. And that blueprint machine was one of those old smelly ammonia, mm-hmm. Machines. I remember. And <clears throat> I can't smell anything for the life of me now because I worked there for, for eight years running a, an ammonia machine. But he took me under his wing and he said to me after three months of running his blueprints for his engineering firm, he said, there are no blueprint companies within 20 miles of our location. And he says, I think, I think there is a need for a blueprint company locally here. He said, if you're willing to do it and you want to stay on, you can run my blueprints for the engineering company, but let's put a sign in the window and let's open to the public. So he set a goal of a, you know, a really, really small sales goal per week. And uh, he taught me everything about business. He said, I am just going to oversee this and you're going to do everything. I want you to go find customers. I want you to research equipment. I want you to hire people. I want you to fire people. 
I want you to meet with our accountant. And if this is something that's viable and sustainable, we'll keep it going. And you're how old at this point? I am 17. You are 17 years old. Three days out of high school. This man is like, I want you to do all the... Guess what, kid? You're the boss now. Yeah, so we uh, we put a sign in the window. And, um, you know, the sign was about uh, 11 by 17. And we had no traffic coming by our office. Nobody would ever find us. So he he said, I want you to go to 10 places a day. And I want you to knock on the door. I want you to go through the yellow pages, identify architects and contractors and engineers and go door to door and don't come back until you've gone to 10 places every day. And I was, I was, I was such a introvert uh, in high school. I don't, I don't think I said more than two words uh, in high school. So he was, he threw me out into the public and I was deathly afraid going door to door, doing a hard knock on the front door and meeting with a secretary and saying, we can print your blueprints, Mr. Contractor. And, and Mr. Architect, and uh, we had some business coming in, and it started to get pretty busy. And he said, well, "This is great, and let's let's keep it going." And I said, "Okay." So he's like, after a few months, he's like, "I think you need some help. Like we're running a lot of blueprints right now, and we needed somebody on the road to do the deliveries and do the pickups because back then it was delivering pickup service. There was no FTP sites. There was no email." Everything was produced on a hard copy at an architectural firm. If you had to reproduce it, you went and picked up the hard copies and you kept a hard copy set in your office and you reproduced those blueprints over and over using the same vellums or sepias or, or mylars. And, uh, you know, when I look back at those days, the amount of production that we did in a week, we can now do in about 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, you know, we had like 16 rolls of paper on the floor, you know, and one job will do 16 rolls of paper. So he literally gave this 17-year-old this chance to learn about business. So the way I always look at it is, yeah, I didn't go to college. I don't have a degree, but he gave me experience and he gave me a lot of life experience. And not only was he... experience. Business experience. And... Yeah. The gentleman I worked under uh, for eight years, you know, became my second father. And he was an old drafts person. He would draw all the wastewater treatment drawings on his vellum with a, you know, with a pencil. And, and you know, we used to sell title block paper and vellum. We used to sell the, the pens. We, we got into selling plotter pens. And, you know, we did a lot. And fast forward about four or five years we had uh, six full-time people and it really became an established company and within the state we were competing. Uh, we had some large contractors using us every single day and um, it was a great experience. And I think at year seven or year eight, I was 25 years old and uh, I knew everything. I knew, I knew all about the world at 25 and uh, sure, don't we all? <laughs> and I, uh, I left. I left his company. I said, I'm going to join another company that wants to expand and wants to do more. And uh, I took all my experience and I, I left and, and I went to another firm. And, and that firm, I, I was you know, the uh, sales manager for 10 years uh, until they 
ran out of business until I started my first company. But uh, it's amazing, you know, looking back at it, that I knew nothing about the industry. Right. I knew nothing about blueprints. I didn't know what CPM meant. didn't know what Vellum meant. I didn't know what uh, drafting even was. And, and to learn all about the wastewater treatment plant industry is certainly interesting. And uh, But he gave me a chance. A, you know, a 17-year-old just gave me a chance. Uh, he watched uh, what we did from when I was 17 up until I was 25. Uh, and I've seen them many times since then. And I've always thanked them for giving me that that chance and just kind of letting me run with it. I mean, we would meet probably once a week. Then it became once a month. And at the end of the day, if we were if we were doing the sales and paying our bills and profitable, he just left me alone. You know, in hindsight, maybe I should stuck around for a few more years. But um, you move on and you could only look forward. And I had some aspirations to you know, build the business a lot more than he wanted to. He was very comfortable with the size of the company and the sales that we were doing. So I moved on to another firm, worked there for 10 years. We, we grew the firm, um, grew the business quite substantially. And then for some reasons, not uh, in my control, because I was just the sales manager, the company ended up going out of business. And that forced my hand to start a company. We started our first blueprint business, and um, I had some business partners and things were going great, but uh, kind of realized that the business in Connecticut was not strong. And we were seeing a lot of general contractors move their staff to other parts of the, of the, of the New England area. And we had a pretty, pretty big facility. We had a lot of equipment on lease. We certainly had a large number of employees. And we were just watching the business just disappear. Boston was busy. New York City was busy. Albany was busy. Connecticut wasn't. And you know, when you when you take a look at, at that and you say, well, I'm going to lose this business and I'm going to lose employing these people and I've got personal guarantees on all of these leases, um, it gave me a time to, to kind of reflect on, you know, what do we do? we had to make an adjustment. We, we had a, we had no other choice but to make an adjustment. My mom was a florist and for her career. And I, I looked at her model, uh, the FTD model. And I also looked at, at that point was 1-800-Flowers. And I said, we can do business outside of this area that people, people think that we can only do business in a certain geographical area. And we were always into you know 30 miles or 60 miles from our office, which gave us work in Hartford, New Haven, New London, maybe down to Westchester. But that's not where the business was at this point. This business in Connecticut had, had gone away and we either adapt and change or we, we go out of business. So we decided that we were going to come up with a formula like FTD where we would we would do business outside of our area and we would do business outside of our area through our print partners so we developed uh, a relationship with a few different companies all over the country and we started saying look we are going to start a website we're not going to say where we're located 
and we are going to advertise our services and our services will be printing plans at a fixed rate with delivery the next day or the second day, depending on when the orders would come in. And we're going to ask our print partners to facilitate those orders. So, so let me just ask a question there. You're, you're saying you started this website and you're, you didn't list where you were and you know the web gives you that opportunity to be a bit vague about certain things and and deliver only the message that you want to deliver yet some people feel like if you're not super specific around where your office is located if you're not super specific around you know certain things around your business that it uh you know it, it allows people to perceive you as less professional um, did you run into that? Did because you didn't list that, you know, your physical location, did, were people questioning your ability to meet their needs, or did they largely just look past it because the service level looked correct? No, they they did ask, and and they didn't trust it at first, right? They said, "There's no way that you can handle our business if you're not out, if you're outside of the 60 mile radius." And we had to convince them that we could. You know, so obviously use, utilizing UPS uh, was the only way we were going to succeed. And UPS is is tremendously valuable to to that success of ours, and it currently is now. Um, but they didn't trust it. They didn't trust it, and we had to convince them that we can provide the same level of service being 30 or 60 mile, not in the 30 or 60 mile radius. And it took a while for people to trust it. We did get creative because we did some advertising in a uh, in what's called the blue book, yeah. and we decided that we were going to put ads out in the blue book, and we were going to put a line item in every single blue book that we were located in every single state. So when someone searched us, we would have an address in every single state, and that was kind of a workaround, right? We, we kind of figured out right. in the blue book that we could do this, um, just have an ad online and companies could search us and then find us and think that we were local. So it was kind of a little, little workaround that we did and it, it did work. And then, True. you know, because of our print partners and because they understood what our goal was, was to deliver plans <clears throat> exceptionally fast because we can't print and deliver drawings from Connecticut and deliver fast service in Texas or California because of the logistics and the turnaround in terms of UPS getting it there. Sure. So we built on that and we built on that for a certain amount of time, but yet we weren't getting the same. We got a great response. We were building a good client base, but at the end of the day, people had to come find us. And unless you're searching for a blueprint service or a reprographic service or cheap blueprints or fast blueprints, we just understood that we needed to do something different. And it dawned on us uh, on vacation, actually. We were, I was away with my family and I was thinking, all right, so we have the fixed rate of a dollar per plan. We have print partners located all over the country. We have advertisements in every part of the country. But yet contractors are not coming to us. And for our sales team to go to every single contractor all across the country would take a, a tremendous effort. And in, 
I don't know that we would get contractors in every part of the country to trust that some company headquartered in Connecticut could service them the way they're used to from their local blueprint company or one of the large chain repographers that exists. So we spent a lot of time thinking of it and on vacation, it, it kind of dawned on me that, well, we can't go to every single contractor in the country and convince them that we are the service that will take care of their needs on a daily basis to manage their, to manage their bidding or to manage their construction. So we thought if we approached the software companies that general contractors use every single day to do their bidding and to build their projects and pitch the idea of us being part of their service, the way we looked at it is if a contractor is trusting the software company to do their bidding and to manage their construction, and if we were in the software, they would automatically trust us as a vendor. So we started making some calls and it took us a while to get through to the right people at these companies. There were four or five of them at the time that were uh, handling construction bidding. And we would dial the 1-800 number for each one of those companies and we would leave messages and we would try to get through and, and peel back the onion to find the right person that was a decision maker. And um, we were very lucky on one random night that we made a call and uh, the owner of this company was actually manning the phones. And uh, I pitched the idea to him and I'm not knowing that he was the, the owner of this particular software company. So I was on the phone with him for about 40 minutes and I told him all about our, our concept. Our concept is a fixed rate model delivery to your general contractors or subcontractors with how many of our blueprints they order the next day or the following day. And he said, you are the first company that's come to me with a, a solid model and a solid plan. We've always wanted to have Repographics part of our software, but your competitors were never able to figure out a solid model and a solid plan. He said, uh, let's set up a call tomorrow at 10 a.m. and discuss it. So that entire night, I didn't sleep at all. Like I, I looked into who this guy was, what he did, what their, comp- what their company was all about. And by that 10 a.m. call the next day, I knew everything about him. And I knew everything about his company. And I, I pitched the idea again. I said, if you put us in your software, we will deliver blueprints to your GCs and to your subcontractors at a fixed rate within one or two days. And he said, I'm going to send over a contract and we're going to get this started. It's only caveat at that time was you can't work with anybody else. Right. Which was understandable at the time. So he gave us this opportunity and, um, you know, we were an option within his system where a GC could choose us as the repographer of choice. After about six months, I went and spoke uh, in front of 250 GCs at his user conference and we had a trade show booth and when we left there we had so much momentum coming off of that show we had so many of his gcs starting to use our services and and we realized this was this was the direction that we need to go in this is a direction we need to continue to go in because we are going into it at a at a different level. We're not going it on the ground floor with the subcontractor or the gc we're going at at a different level where the the GC is trusting us because we are in the software. 
So we were doing this for him for about uh, two years and really having great success, really getting exposure to a lot of, a lot of his clients. And um, we had another software company approach us. And this software company was on the construction side, not the bidding side. That was really exciting for us. So they, they, they set up a few meetings with us and we talked with them and they said, we find your service as a value added service to our clientele. And they said, we want you to come down to Austin. We want you to have a, a booth at our show. We want to introduce you to our clientele. And uh, during that show, they, they made an announcement uh, that we were in their app marketplace. And, uh, were you in fact in that marketplace? <laughs> well, as of that day, you know, we, oh, okay. they, they put us in there and, um, you know, of course we went right to our phones and, and searched it and found, you know, found everything that, you know, they had asked us to put in there and all the, all the information they asked us to send them and our logo. And, and there we were, there's plans for less sitting in the app marketplace. And, um, you know, that was three years ago. It's just amazing. It, it, it's amazing for, from a 17-year-old who started a wastewater treatment plant, printing blueprints, you know, at the, the smallest volume that we did, to this many years later actually being the default reprographics company. Now, not only in one software, not only in two, but now we're up to our fourth integration. And we have some others that we're working on. And, you know, that's what's driven our business. That's what's driven our success. We don't rely on our local economy. We rely on the economy of the country and all of our general contractors and subcontractors. And I think we're much different. I, I think we have the model. I think we provide tremendous value to the users of the software companies. And it's, it's great to have partners uh, like these software firms. Certainly have met some of the most interesting people in the world and, and gotten to you know, travel around the country and, and sit through their meetings and, and talk to them about, <laughs> if anything, I'm talking to them about blueprinting, which is, sure. you know, the construction cost is probably the, the lowest, the lowest line item in the project. But yet we, we have remained very valuable to them because we have learned what they need. They need the latest drawings, the latest revision, and they need it delivered on time. And they need it done correctly. And if they don't have to think about that, we provide them with that sort of comfort. And that's really our job. Our job is to say, when you send us an order through the software or you send us an order on our site, we are going to deliver. We're not delivering paper. We're delivering our promise that you're going to get the latest drawings delivered in a timely fashion so you can complete your bid or you can complete your project that's really our goal right now is to continue to make things frictionless for those users to utilize our services. We being able to uh, get to the point where we connect with the software and they can order right from that platform. They don't have to log out. They can place an order. So when they're doing their bids or managing their project, they don't have to go to another browser. They don't have to download plans. They don't have to upload plans. They can simply click what they need right through the software. It sends us an order and we make it very simple for them. And 
It seems super, or it sounds super simple, but for people that don't understand the construction industry or don't understand construction technology circles, what you found is a, a, a new way to market yourself on different levels, right? You are not focusing on the fact that the people that you're working with to market your services are actually providing digital versions of what you're printing out on paper, but the industry moves so slow, the paper is still necessary. So you're not fighting with them, you're working with them, which I think is great. I think most people in your position would be intimidated by these software companies and just say they're out to put us out of business. Mm -hmm. And instead you're embracing those relationships and you know you understand that the municipality doesn't care what software you're using. They wanna see paper drawings for your permit set and you're gonna print paper drawings regardless of whether you need it or not. But at the same time, the contractors have varying levels of ability to utilize that software. And, you know, you show up to a major hospital project where there's, you know, the drywall contractor at its peak might have 150 guys on site. They're hitting an iPad or a laptop, maybe not even a smartphone mm. in the bunch, right? They yeah. need that paper. And, you know, when I came up, Guy, there were two types of guys. There was a guy that would walk around with a yellow legal pad for his day or a guy that would walk around with a half set under his arm. And right. you just worked one of two ways. Mm -hmm. Those guys still exist. You know, yeah. they're 65 now. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. they don't want to learn this software because they can do their jobs without it. And, and you've embraced that. So mm -hmm. I, I think it's, uh, it's a phenomenal way to to look at what you've done and I, and I don't think it should be you know underestimated that the, the amount of effort and and forward thinking it took to pull that off um you know have you have you had people approach you around this and and try to discourage you around the things that you're doing for those reasons you know there have certainly been some naysayers in terms of our pricing structure and what i say to them is i think we come in right in the middle you know, people say, well, a dollar per plan is way too cheap. And I say, well, if you go to a big box store, you're paying two or three times that. But if you go to any municipality or any state and you look up reprographic services and see what my competitors are charging, you're going to see much less, two thirds less than what I'm charging per drawing. So I think we fall in the middle. And we've had some articles written about us that we are destroying the industry in terms of our pricing. But we've, we feel that we're in the middle. We're not the big box store. And we're not we're not submitting bids out there at uh, at some ridiculously low rate um, just to uh, capture that business. Well, I mean, it's, it could be argued that you know the app stores are destroying the software business because mm -hmm. apps are ninety nine cent or free, and people don't place the same amount of value on it. But you know, you adapt to the market or you get left behind. And I think it, you know above all, that's the one thing you've done is you've adapted to your market. I mean, you referenced the blue book. Most people listening to this probably don't even know what the blue book was or, you know, you, they, they, they don't have a clue about it, but that was what you needed to do at that time. And you came up with a creative way to approach that. I want to back up on a couple things here. So you stepped away from a, a company that you were running the show and, and then you took a sales role in, in a larger company yeah. and at that point, you're 25. 
but you're 25 with the experience of literally every person in that organization that you're working for. Were there struggles during that period where you saw things the company was doing wrong and, you know, maybe tried to speak up about it, but because of the fact you were 25 years old, no one paid any attention to you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so interesting that you hit on that. Um, you know, when I moved over there, they talked about, you know, all the ideas that I had in terms of expansion and, you know, it was, it was a short honeymoon, right? I get in there and they're like, well, we don't know if we're going to expand. You know, we'd like to see how long it's going to take. And all of a sudden I feel like I've gotten to this relationship that, um, was okay, but it wasn't great. Right. So I stuck it out. And I stuck it out and it gave me some more experience. It gave me uh, some more years under my belt. So when that company finally came to its demise, uh, when I opened the door of my first company, I wasn't opening the door like we just moved into town. We're just renting this building and we're putting a sign up. Like we were pretty well established at that point. I was pretty well established. And uh, it took us less than two weeks to open up the new place and I'm glad to say that we we hired almost all of the staff back uh, from that company. And oh, that's great. Yeah, and and certainly our clients followed along. And so yeah, it was it's one of those life lessons, right? I, I had the ability back with my first company to kind of dictate where we were going, and I I gave away that ability with the next company. But now being the owner of of Plans for Less and being the owner of the company I was at before, you know, you can direct the ship. And right. the, the nice part about being able to direct the ship is that you can maneuver pretty fast. I know some of my friends in this business that work for larger firms, so like we just can't turn the ship around as fast as you can turn the ship around. Right. right. So that gives us that gave us the ability to do what we've done um, by talking to software companies, by doing a fixed rate model by not advertising where we're located. Um, and one of the best parts about this is since I worked for these small reprographic firms <clears throat> two times and they're family-run businesses, both of them, um, we deal with a lot of family-run businesses that still have reprographic offices all over the country. And when I go and I meet with these companies, I go in there and I shake their hands and I say, look, I'm not here to put you out of business. I'm here to be your marketing arm. I'm here to be your sales arm. I'm going to send you files for you to print for me. And at first they look at me as a threat, right? Okay, here's the plans for less guy. He's coming in with this, this model. He's going to steal all of my customers in my local area. And we said, look, we're coming in because we want you to do our printing for us. And if you understand this model and you're willing to accept us as somebody that's supporting your business versus as somebody that's trying to take away your business, you will understand and you will do quite well with us. Because when we started this five years ago, we had one integration and now we're on our fifth right. integration. So they're getting business not only from their local clients that use plans for less, they're getting business from outside of their areas. And that's where our relationship has become very strong with our print partners because they're, they're saying, okay, plans for less is keeping up their end. They're doing the trade shows. They're doing the advertising and the marketing. They're doing the business development. 
to drive business to our facility so we can keep our employees, so we can keep our machines running. And that's been a very nice, healthy relationship. And when I go and visit those print partners, when I get a chance to travel around, it's, it's so nice to meet with them and say, yeah, this is what we're working on. And we hope to send you this type of clientele because we just signed up with this group and we're looking to sign up with another group. And we will continue since you are doing the printing, you are getting the plans to those job sites and to those contractors. We will do what we need to do on our end. That was actually my second point that I that I wanted to touch on. Like, you know, you you have this kind of FTD model. And to, you know, put it in perspective, you're running a shop out of Connecticut, but you're servicing nationally. Mm-hmm. And you get a call at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday from a client in San Diego, California, and they say, we need, you know, 20 sets of drawings by 9 a.m. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Your model's pretty easy to understand. The price is the same. You're not asking your people to stay and work extra that evening. You're just forwarding that job to one of your print partners in California that still has four hours left in their workday. Yep. And they're, you know, they're, they're getting that same, same level of service. So, you know, that, that's an easy thing to understand from a customer perspective, especially today, I would think, you know, when you started that model, like you said, it was a little harder to understand because reprographics companies were largely a local, were were not largely, they were only a local business and no one was thinking out of the box because they were all thinking, well, eventually these companies are going to go away. No one's going to come reinvent this business. But you now have to go convince you know you you've you've taken the uphill battle of convincing the industry to some extent and i would say that that was probably easier than convincing your partners that you're working with around the, around the company or around the country yeah. is that accurate and and you know aside from what you just uh, you know mentioned you know what obstacles were people throwing up and 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 how did you convince them to work and and I'm sure there's some stories in there around you know who were the right and the wrong companies mm. to work with in, in that yeah you know the way I work is is I work on a handshake right and your word right so if I give you my word you give me your word and we'll we move on from there we we never did formal contracts um but w- when we would approach them I mean they really didn't believe it I mean, they really thought this guy's not going to send us work. This guy's not getting work from any of these software companies. And and yeah, sure, Brian, we'll, we'll, we'll do your work for you. And let, let's see how it goes. And then sometimes we would send them so much work, they would call and say, you're keeping us busier than our local business. Like we need to do our own stuff. We can't just do all of your stuff. And we've had pushback. We've had people that have undercut our pricing um, on a client that we sent to them that wasn't their client. We've had that happen. But it, at the same time, the guys that get it, the guy, the ladies and gentlemen that get it, that's been the best part. You know, it, it's nice to call them. It's nice to talk to them, ask them how they're doing and say, we've got some work coming your way. And uh, one of our best stories, like I can't say who the contractor is, but they were located on the uh, the West Coast, and they had a presentation that they needed to do for a very large project that just got completed. And they called me, and they said, this is what we're looking for for our presentation. We need all of these 8.5 by 11s printed. 
tabs and bound and you know it's thursday and we need this for monday morning and uh i said well i've got the right print partner for you and they were local to them they basically rented out the reprographic office on saturday and sunday and utilized their entire staff as their staff and the entire marketing team went to that facility and set up shop and did this for two days and printed these presentation manuals and um, and they won the job. And it was really, a, really, really awesome to be. I wasn't a part of it in terms of the reduction, but I was part of facilitating the entire thing and making sure that it was getting done and delivered. And um, that that's a story that I just love. I, I love that we were able to help out our client. We're able to have our print partner do all this work for them for two days over the weekend. And at the end of the day, uh, the general contractor won the job. And, and I will say the general contractor was, was so thankful that they bought lunch for that, uh, <laughs> for that company. And, um, you know, that's, that's the nice part about it. I mean, when we started Plans for Less the first year, we didn't touch a piece of paper. We were strictly uh, just subbing out work. We, were, we just felt like we were like a broker. And it was until our work in Connecticut got to the point where we needed to open a production facility for our local clients which is a really nice thing to have the local business, you know, embrace our services and, and, and do that. But for a year and a half, we didn't touch a piece of paper. That's awesome. I, I love to hear when people don't, they don't buy things for their business until they can't do without them, as opposed to spending all that money up front and then having that you know, equipment sit there and collect dust. Yeah. So, you know, thinking back to those first, jobs that you were running as a teenager in early twenties and the, the, the amount of uh, production that you're putting out on a day, on a week, on a month, however you want to reference it compared to the amount of production that you are running through your company, not just your particular office, but the entire company today, you know, X number of years later, you know, what are those, what are the, what, what, what does that look like? What, what kind of percentage? I want I don't want to ask you for revenue numbers, but yeah. like what, what kind of percentage increase do you see today versus back then? Oh my God. It, it's, it is really funny to look back at it and think about that. We thought we were busy back then. You know, I, I, I think when I first started working with the, the owner of the company, I remember this, he said, we need to do a thousand dollars a week. For five days, and if we hit that goal, he was happy. And then a couple of years later, he's like, "Well, let's do two thousand a week." You know, <laughs> so so two thousand plans back then. You know, at that, if it was if we were to compare apples to apples in terms of revenue, if the plans were a dollar, um, you know, we have a we have a project right now that the, the, there's sixteen hundred plans in one job. <laughs> you know, so and we crank out you know, tens of sets of these 1600 plans for, for this project. And it's, it's amazing. And I think one of the things that, um, that I've enjoyed about it is we still have some of those same clients from back when I was 17. I still have relationships and, um, with these guys and our families have grown up together, right? We, we all got into the business around the same age and we've watched all of us get married and have kids and, and, the crazy part now is the kids are working for these general contractors and they're, they're calling me now. So that's, 
And and your kids. <laughs> My kids, yeah. So it's it's nice to have it continue. It's nice that we've had loyal clients for that long and that we're now doing work with their kids. You know, we were told so many years ago that this is it. You guys are gone. You guys aren't going to be around. There's there's this thing called FTP sites and there's this thing called an iPad and there's <laughs> we've gone through all of that. And yet here we are. Still relevant. Yeah. Still relevant every single day. Still printing these 1600 page plans for one project. And, um, and these big GCs are still utilizing plans. And um, sometimes paper is a swear word. You know, people don't want to say they're using it. You know what? We won't tell anybody who's using us because we don't want them to, to look like they, they rely on paper every day to run their construction projects. And, and that's fine with us, you know? So yeah, they're half sizes now. Yep. The drawings are in color. Yes. They may not order as many sets as they used to, but we, I, I think we've developed a niche um, that hopefully we can sustain, you know, for, for some, some more time here and be relevant. That's great, man. I think you're doing great. If you want to learn more about Brian or Plans for Less, you can find them at plansforless.com. That is plans and the number four, less.com. You can also find them on Instagram at plansforless. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.